Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast. Uh, just want to uh, let you know right off the bat that this is not going to be a happy podcast. Uh, there aren't going to be a lot of great things said. I don't know if there will be one good thing said. Uh, because as many of you know, if you watched the game today, listened to the game, whatever, uh, Purdue got beat today by Tennessee, the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, SEC school, not ranked. Uh, not a good team. Um, maybe maybe down the road we'll find out that they're one of the top three teams in the SEC, and maybe this loss will look a little bit better. But at the time being, this is a pathetic loss. Uh, 78-75 was the final score. It went to overtime. Purdue had a five-point lead in overtime. Ended up losing. I want to get to the the nuts and bolts of the game, the, the main statistics. Uh, Purdue shots. 37% from the field, 37% from three. So not a great day shooting, but that wasn't the reason they ended up losing. Uh, they did shoot well from the free throw line, 84%. That's a, that's a good percentage. I always like to see that. Uh, that's one good thing I've said. So uh, we may hit, we may have hit our limit. But uh, offensive boards, 10. Total rebounds, 41. Only 13 assists. That's, that's low for this Purdue team. And um, that you could point to that as one of the many reasons we lost today and 18 turnovers, never good. But the real story of this game is that Tennessee had 20 offensive rebounds. Yes, you heard that correctly. Uh, Purdue mm -hmm. gave up 20 offensive boards with two seven footers on the team. Another six foot 10 player Jaquiel Taylor, who didn't even see the floor today. They gave up 20 offensive rebounds. Absolutely the story of the game. Absolutely a pathetic loss. I actually had to listen to this game on the radio as I was at work today, so I still had to work while I watched the game. And if anybody can watch games while they're working, I envy you, but I could not do that. So my counterpart, Jackra, was actually able to watch the game. So we're going to get kind of two different perspectives mm -hmm. on this. And with that being said, I'm going to hand it over to Jack Rowe, who is even madder than me, and yep. I am very, very angry. But we're gonna let Jack get in his word right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. The um, okay. So the entire game uh, was sloppy to start from finish on both sides. Clearly, you can see that by the team turnovers by both teams. Um, but it was very clear early on that the issue was uh, offensive rebounding. You could tell the first half we weren't getting anything. Uh, we weren't getting anything going. We were just eat like they were just hustling harder than we were. We really didn't give an, a good effort, I would say, all day. Um, and then I don't know what to say about Isaac Haas. I mean, the guy is absolutely pathetic. When you're a senior that's played four years, it's not like he was the guy that came in and did, you know didn't start or didn't play for his first use. He's got plenty of experience. And it's the fourth quarter, and it's overtime, and you're or, sorry, he played during overtime. If it's the fourth quarter in the end, and you're not on the floor, that says a lot about you. Um, absolute garbage player. He didn't do anything good offensively today, and was an absolute liability on defense. Uh, and, and he didn't rebound either. I mean, he really didn't rebound. Harms, you can tell he's raw, um, but at least it seems like he was given an effort. Haas was just getting bullied around, and I think we're going to see this all season. We've seen it for three years now. Once anyone that has any talent, plays against Isaac Haas, he crumbles. Um, absolutely pathetic. I, I would like to see him on the bench to start the next game, even though I know that's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, and then guys were just getting – they were just getting out-muscled. Out uh, the entire team was. You can see that 
clearly. Um, the end of the game, we I thought we had them. You know, we get the foul. We knock down the two free throws. Boom, we're right there with up three. And we let them get a wide-open three-point shot to send it into overtime. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. This this loss is one of the worst I've seen, probably as being a Purdue fan. Uh, maybe maybe second to Middle Tennessee. Yeah, no doubt about it because, or yeah, Little, Little Rock, Rock Arkansas. Little Rock. The, RIP that game. That was an interesting day for me. But anyways, uh, yeah, as I was listening to this on the radio, uh, you know, the, fir- the first 15 minutes of the game were pretty good. Purdue goes up, I believe, 31-24 yeah. or 31-20. They had an 11-point lead in the first half, and I'm thinking, you know what? We're going to cruise here, and then stuff starts going downhill the last five minutes. Haas comes back into the game. And and here's what I've decided on Haas. I was thinking about this directly after the loss today. And for anybody going forward that gets fooled by a good Haas game, I'm done with it. I am done giving Haas credit for anything that he does offensively because whatever he does offensively, he gives it right back up on the defensive end. And the crazy thing is, if you look at his stat line today, as usual, it's pretty great on the offensive end. Three for five from the field, seven for eight from the free throw line, 13 points. That's a good line offensively. So you'll still have these Haas truthers coming out saying that, oh, Haas is this great center. Well, no, he's not. I'm I'm the Haas truther. I've been saying it since his sophomore year when he didn't make any kind of jump on the defensive end in his sophomore year that he's basically a, a plus minus of zero. I'm sorry. It, it It is what it is. Any Purdue fans that want to come on here and argue about Haas and argue in his favor, I don't know why they would, first of all. Great guy, maybe. I'm sure he's a great student, great guy. But he's not a great basketball player. The only thing he's got going for him is that he's seven foot two and two hundred and sixty pounds. Besides that, he's a mediocre athlete. If he was six foot, he'd be, he he probably wouldn't even be starting on an intramural basketball team in the Corec. He would not be starting on an intramural <laughs> basketball team in the Corec because he's that unathletic. It's honestly a joke. I want Harms to start going forward, and I know this this may seem irrational, but. The fact that a freshman is no. already better on the defensive end than Isaac Haas is now, even with so much less experience and not even getting to play with Biggie for two years like Isaac Haas was able to, it, it it's just incredible. It blows my mind. I'm so done with Haas. And I knew th- <laughs> I should have seen this coming because you saw all the tweets after the Marquette game. Oh, Haas is so great. He's really turned a corner, blah, blah, blah. I even said in the podcast, Slow your roll because that's not Haas. He played against inferior opponent. He played against guys that don't have any size. It, it it's not it's it's not what he's going to be for the whole season. He can't be it. He's not that guy. And what did you see today? Yeah. You saw just an absolutely pathetic effort. He's the worst seven foot seven foot rebounder that I have ever seen in my life. It is honestly a joke. How do you play with Biggie Swanigan for two years? And you can't rebound better than Isaac Haas. It is an absolute joke. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he has. You're right. Th- those good Haas games. Everyone says, "Oh, he's great." You know, I remember around this time last year after the Nova game, we lost that game, and 
I'm at Thanksgiving and you know other Big Ten relatives are like, oh man, Haas looked good. They they're like, hey, he's really a good player. And I'm like, ah, uh, not really, and because he dominated that game. Um, but then yeah, you're right. He's he's not he's not any good. Um, Harms super raw still, and I think we saw that. But I think he still gives you the better chance to win playing this kid. Uh, I think he gives you a lot more. Kid's fast too. He hustles down the the floor. He's not lumbering um, like Isaac Haas, but. I, I guess we should move on, though. I think we, we kind of tore into him enough. One more thing. Uh, I have one more thing. I think we're on the same page. Okay. For anybody else that is still going to ride the Haas train, going forward, when he has these bad games and he's going to have more of them, you either have to acknowledge one of two things. You either have to acknowledge that Haas is an athletic liability and that he is just a really poor athlete, or you have to acknowledge that he just doesn't try very hard because I am tired of of just giving him excuses and acting like he hustles on every single play because these same people that are defending Isaac Haas ripped into A.J. Hammonds for four years for his effort, and you're seeing the exact same thing out of Haas except without the defense. So it is ridiculous. You can no longer defend Isaac Haas. I'm I'm just so frustrated. Yeah, so let's move forward. What did you see next? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just looking at the stat line here and this, uh, kind of, it was something I kind of noticed that over the past few games, um, and I don't think it's a major point in this game, but I'm still going to bring it up is no gel Eastern four minutes. I, I don't know if this kid can play this year. He, he really doesn't show anything when he's on the court. Seems very overwhelmed. I just want to know quick thoughts. Yeah. On so that. again, listening to the game, I didn't get to see it, but even from listening to the game, it just sounded like he was lost out there. It sounded like he could not bring. Yeah. I, and I'm just guessing he couldn't bring up the ball up the court. I'm guessing. Right. Is that, is that what it no, was? No, no. Yeah. He, yeah. He's just, he just seems like the rest of the team seems like they're on another level, and he just seems I would almost say frightened. I don't know. He something needs to change there. I mean, if you want to play him during the crappy games and then you know sit him during the Big Ten season, go for it. But I don't think he's going to give much at all this year after watching a few. Well, and games. the ma- the amazing thing about this is that a lot of Purdue fans want to want to brag and they want to they want to stand on a pedestal about this team's depth. And while I do think it is somewhat deep, I don't think it's as deep as people think it is. Mm, because if yeah. you look at the minutes from the so. starters, thirty nine for Vince Edwards, twenty four for Isaac Cost. That's too many minutes. 38 for Carson Edwards, forty one for Dakota, and thirty nine for PJ. The minutes don't lie. Those that stat line does not no. lie. That stat line tells me that Painter doesn't trust his backups. Ryan Klein cannot hit the side of a barn right now. I think he'll get out of that, but right now you can't play him because he's not giving you anything on defense. Right. No Joe Eastern was a liability. He can't bring up the he can't bring the ball up the court as your backup point guard. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. And your backup power forward yeah. is a walk on. So this team does not have the depth that we thought. And you know what else I'm mad on? I'm mad on the fact that the past two podcasts, I have backtracked on the fact that I said this team was overrated to begin with. I love Purdue basketball. I love this team. I love the seniors. I love Isaac Haas because he has been a part of bringing this program back. But it goes back to the point that I always thought that this team was a little over, little overrated. The seniors are who they always have been they haven't gotten a lot better dakota actually had a pretty darn good game even though he didn't shoot well yeah but vince edwards still swiss army knife but he he doesn't take over games and you you saw what i said would happen 
Carson Edwards, he didn't have a good game. He was 5 for 17 from the field. So, yeah, while he had 21 points, he did it on 17 shots. So when Carson doesn't yeah, have a good I, game, I want to talk to Go talk about him. Yeah, I want to talk about him. Um, you know, I thought last year he had a lot of boneheaded plays. And, I mean, the guy thinks he can hit any shot that he takes, um, which isn't always a bad thing. But, um, you know, I thought maybe, okay, he's going to learn and take some better shots this year. And, I mean, today was like, it was really bad. And you probably didn't notice this, but on the radio, you know, on the radio. But there were a few times where he just took it to the hole where it was like, dude, there's four guys on you. Or he would pull up and transition for a three when there was no one under the basket to rebound. And those things drive me crazy. You pull the ball out, set up the offense. And, and I guess that kind of goes with the assist, the low assist today. You get stuff like that. I mean, I think he's an incredible player. I think he's really athletic, really talented. But he just he makes these boneheaded mistakes, and it's it's aggravating. It can you know really hurt yeah, the team. He, I again, I couldn't I couldn't see it, but from what I heard, he was taking a mm-hmm. lot of boneheaded shots, a lot of ridiculous shots that yeah. he shouldn't driving to the hole when there's nothing there, or taking a pull up yep. three from nowhere. Uh, it sounded like the three mm-hmm. he pulled up at halftime. He had another second. He could have taken a little bit of a better shot. Uh, I. I I think that was actually a good shot. He had he had some separation there. Okay. I thought that well, was whatever. Seventeen shots from the field, especially when you're not on fire, is is insanely right. high. He needs to be. I I mm-hmm. am fine with giving him more shots, and I'm fine with him leading the team in shots. But I want him to shoot about fourteen. If he can average about fourteen shots, that's fine. And there is no reason to be shooting nine three pointers if you're not hitting. Two for no. nine from three is no. terrible. Absolutely pathetic. Um, so, but again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hound on Carson too much because this is who he is. If anybody needs to take a little blame for this, I'd say it has to be Painter because that's something that you tell your player to right. slow your roll. You tell him, "Hey, you're right. having a tough day. Slow it down. Try to distribute. Choose your shots a little better." I think that Painter gives Carson a proverbial uh, green light, which. You know, I think is fine most of the time, but it's sometimes you got to reel that back in and say, hey, make your next shot a good shot. I don't want you to shoot the ball until it is a good shot. And that's how you get out of these slumps, whereas Carson will just jack up stuff until he finally hit ones. And granted, a lot of times he'll then go on a streak, but that wasn't the case today. So you you end up with him shooting 17 shots and Purdue just – can't climb out of a hole. They get down seven at the beginning of the first half. They just have to work way too hard to get back into it. And it's just, this Purdue team is going, as I said in the very first podcast in the Carroll College, Purdue is going to go as Carson goes because we know what everybody else is going to do. Haas is going to give you a good offensive game, but then he's going to give up the same amount of points on the defensive end. Dakota Dakota does look better. I I will give him credit for that. I'm a little biased on yeah. how I feel about Dakota, but no, I I agree. He he carried that team in overtime. He he scored the first seven yeah. points of overtime. What else is he supposed to do? I I did see some tweets and the announcers even acknowledged that he probably shouldn't have made that pass to Haas, uh, on which he traveled. But uh, he was seemed like he was uh, he seemed like he was almost falling out of bounds at that point. But. It, Dakota, um, Dakota, you can't fault his effort, and you honestly, you can't fault his production in this game because 
I thought he shot way worse from three than he did based on what the announcers were saying, but he still shot three for seven, mm-hmm. which is not a bad number. The right. only thing you can fault him on is two for uh, four from the free throw line. But no, uh, Dakota's great. PJ, again, he had a pretty darn good pretty darn good game as well. No turnovers, four for eight I from agree. the field, three for four from three. So if you're Carson, you got to get these these two guys shots when they're hitting them. And, you know, I put a little bit of that on PJ saying, hey, I'm having a good game. Give me the ball, bro. So just an all-around disappointing effort, disappointing loss. Um, it, it's just really, really hard one of those games to accept. And I've seen a lot of tweets in the past hour since the game, um, a couple – of the blog saying, "Oh, this isn't a bad this this specifically isn't a bad loss. Tennessee's not a bad team." Yes, it is. That's fine. Tennessee does not have to be a bad team to make it a bad loss. And for the record, Tennessee, I don't even know if it's a tournament team to be honest. Like, oh, just because per- how how good do we think Purdue is that just because Purdue lost to them that we think they're automatically a tournament a tournament team? I think that's getting a little ahead of ourselves and kind of the arrogant thinking that we had going into this year, we've been mad about our rankings so far, but it, it is, it's just frustrating. I am very frustrated. I'm having a hard time keeping my thoughts together, but the main reason that this is a bad loss, no matter how good Tennessee is, is now you don't get the opportunity to play Villanova. I don't care if you beat Villanova, you have to have that opportunity to play them. Yep. And it's killer. Yep. Instead of Villanova, we are going to be playing Western Kentucky tomorrow. Western Kentucky. So it's nothing. It's a nothing. I, I want. I I would love to see some video of this Purdue locker room after this game because Purdue sports they always put out these great videos after Purdue wins and oh the team's so excited. Well, show us the other side, please. Show us the other side. Let's see the grit that these guys have. Let's see how angry they are about losing because I guarantee I these guys are more mad than I am. And I said, I believe I said this in the Big Ten last year, not on a podcast, but just in conversation with friends. I'm like, these players are mad. They're they're losing in the Big Ten. They're supposed to be the winners this year, and they started rough, and then they picked it up and they figured it out. I think that there's still potential for this, but your chances of getting a top three seed or a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, that's gone. it's not gone, but you have to pretty much go sixteen and two in the Big Ten, uh, in order for that to happen. Fifteen and three maybe. But this is uh I, I'm just so disappointed. No, this this is a bad loss. There's no way that there's no way around it. The expectations of this team, uh, this year, this is a bad loss. It's it's plain and simple. Um you know, this team coming in, they played all summer together. Carson's played even more basketball this summer than the rest of the guys. This team should be in midseason form, and that's what everyone was touting uh, leading into this game. Um, so at this point, at this point, uh, it is a bad loss. It's, it's a terrible loss in my eyes, um, partially because you lose that opportunity to uh, play one of those one or two of the top five teams in the country. Um, and like you said, if even if you lose that game, it's not a big deal. But when you beat Western Kentucky and SMU or NC State, whoever it's going to be, who cares? It, it could be as if we didn't yeah. play the game. It can be as if we didn't play. Now, if you lose those games, that's even worse. But I, 
I don't anticipate that happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really as if this tournament was a, a big waste of time. It's a, it was a huge waste of time for Purdue. Did nothing but bad things for them, and it's their own fault. Um, I think they looked very sloppy. They, they they maybe were a little too cocky and thought, oh, we'll just beat these guys. And these guys scrapped. Tennessee scrapped to their credit. Um, the one thing, though, that is inexcusable for this team and the, the, the absolute reason they lost the game, take out every stat and you look at the offensive rebounds, 20 offensive rebounds by Tennessee, especially with Purdue's size advantage. It, does, it wasn't even the size advantage, though. Everyone was getting beat. Everyone was getting beat to the ball. They outmuscled us. That was, that's the game right there. Take out every stat, and that's the game. You lost right there. So I, I was absolutely disgusted because that's, that's effort. That's not skill. Rebounding, I mean, look at Tyler Hansborough yeah. in the NBA. The guy, the guy's not good, but he scraps. He can get rebounds. It, you don't need talent to get rebounds, and, and we lost that game because of for, that. For anybody that's played basketball out in the backyard, in the in the uh, gyms at your school, wherever you play basketball, offense boards are about effort. Why do you think Caleb Swanigan yes. was so good at getting rebounds? It's because he gave effort. Yes. There is a positioning element, and yes, there are there is strategy to getting rebounds. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, when you get out-rebounded by 10, when you have the size advantage that you have, that's just plain effort. And I have to give credit where it's due. Kyle Alexander and uh, Grant Williams for Tennessee absolutely balled out today. Absolutely balled out. Grant Williams, who didn't even yeah. score till the second half, mind you, Went 8 of 18 from the field with 22 points, 8 rebounds. Kyle, Kyle Alexander, who I believe had scored 7 points on the season, scored 13 points today and 11 boards. We gave him a double-double. If this isn't a what-are-we-doing-guys moment for Purdue, then I don't know what is. Um, because I, I honestly think Purdue got a little cocky. I think those guys, you know, read into their... Uh, rankings a little bit they read into oh we got a silver medal at the world university games oh we're gonna cruise into the tournament you know we have four seniors so therefore we can't get beat well clearly you can get beat and you know why it's a lot easier for other teams to beat a team like purdue than it is to beat a team like duke or uh, michigan state it's because purdue doesn't have elite athleticism Teams that have elite no. athleticism can have off nights and still win because they just ride that athleticism to the end of the game. But Purdue doesn't have that. Purdue cannot get complacent and expect to beat teams that are going to be more athletic than them. And I, I hope they realize that going forward because if not, it's going to be an early round exit again in the tournament. And while I'm not I'm not going to back down on my prediction of Purdue getting to an Elite Eight because I do think they're going to turn around. I know, you'd, I know you're ske skeptical of that, and I know you may not think yeah. so as much. I do think they'll turn it around and get to the Elite Eight, but something's got to change. Something's got to change. It, it makes me think now that we are going to fall out of the top 25 again this year. Um, just a rough, rough game all around for Purdue. I couldn't be more disappointed. Tomorrow's game, I, I haven't even decided if I'm going to watch. I probably will watch because I want to do a podcast about it um, personally. I mean, it's at, it's at like 7 at night. I mean, I was looking forward to getting up early, watching the game tomorrow morning, then getting to Thanksgiving. But at this point, I don't even I don't know it, if I even care. I mean, the next two games are, are 
barely even no, worth watching. No, and to be fair, I I wouldn't blame any Purdue fans that didn't want to watch because it it was it was honestly bad. It was really bad. I think Painter isn't going to do it. And um, I've seen a little bit of blame on Painter um, for the game today, but this isn't one I'm going to put on Painter. I've been I've been vocal about putting some games on Painter in the past, uh, and uh, and honestly on the refs in the past in some games, though I do that a lot less than other fans, I think. But this game's not on Painter. This is absolutely on uh, the team, the players that are actually on the court, that are doing things, uh, and they just didn't get it done. You can't lose to a team that doesn't have the talent that you do, and I'm specifically going to put this on Isaac Haas because you gave up 20 offensive rebounds, and you're the guy that's supposed to be corralling the rebounds. Vince Edwards, while he didn't have a great game shooting, he led the team in rebounds. So I'll I'll at least give him credit for that. But That shouldn't happen. Like I said... (laughs) That should that should Harms happen. needs to start. I'm so done with Isaac Haas. I don't care what upside he brings you um, on the offensive end. He needs to be going against the second best player on the opposing team. Um, and I think he fit that role better last year when Biggie was the starter and Haas wasn't starting. I'm right. I'm just so done with him. He needs to be a backup. He's a good backup. That's what I'll say. I'll say that he would be a great backup for any Big Ten team. Is he a great starter for any Big Ten team? Absolutely not. He's he's mediocre at best. Mediocre at best. Yeah, uh, and I mean, again, you couldn't see it. Uh, you'd have to watch the game to see it. But there were so many times where he'd have the ball and just someone knock it right out of his hands. You know, so he'd, he'd be close to getting the rebound, and they'd not. I mean, I don't understand it anymore. And and on offense, even as well, he would go up and just fumble the ball when two guys would come at him. He'd freak out and. and and you know, turn the ball over. So, I, I, I knew this was going to happen. Though, I mean, I said it in the, in our predictions podcast that that anytime he goes up against any level of competition that's competent, um, he freaks out and crumbles. So, I'm not, I'm not surprised there. But yeah, I mean, Harms, we're gonna have some growing pains with him. But I think that at this point you got the better chance to win by playing him as the absolutely um i think that's about all we need to say on this game absolutely crushing loss by purdue um purdue let's try to take i was gonna say let's try to take a silver lining real quick out of this though best best case scenario out of this if we want to try to leave the fans with something that's uh making you feel good is it's a wake-up call and they get hungry and turn it on the rest of the season and don't forget this loss that's all i can say um I'm pretty much I'm pretty much done with mental victories. Uh, I I really don't think that there's any good that can come out of this game. Um, I guess yeah the the players should be more clear in the head and realize that they're not uh, they're not impenetrable and they're not um, unbeatable. But they should have known that coming in. They should have oh, known I that agree. coming I in. Agree. They've lost to Little Rock, Arkansas, the same core of guys. I no, I, I I'm I I agree with that. There's no excuse, but I mean, if anything, if anything can come out of it positive, maybe that's maybe that's what we can look for as fans that are just looking to. Grasp I guess something. I I think they'll recover. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's sad no matter what. Um, I think this. I just think this game showed a lot of what this team is, and it's in my prediction. You know first or second round exit if if they even that's looking better than mine i don't know that's looking better than mine but anyways we did get one tweet 
from at Bresca 54. He said, will this feeling Purdue gives me ever go away? The answer to that question is no. no. It will never go away. No. I mean, <laughs> that's a joke that that you uh, that everyone that's a Purdue fan says. Oh, they're gonna pull a Purdue and screw it up somehow at the end. And you know what? Time and time again, they've they've uh, came through on that promise. So hopefully, Jeff Brom can get this football team to do the opposite on Saturday. But you know, I got a bad feeling we're gonna be feeling the same. Purdue way. will always break your heart. Uh, that is that is the nature of being a Purdue fan. Uh, Purdue has not won a national championship in basketball, even with all the success that they've had. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, Hopefully I'm wrong on that. Uh, We can point back to this podcast if they do. But the point is, no, you're always going to feel that way. You're always going to get your heart broken by Purdue. But the bright side of that is that you can commiserate with all your other Purdue friends and you can wallow in the horror of it together. So with that being said, thank you for listening to the Jack and Jock show. It, it, it wasn't a fun one, um, but they're not always going to be fun. Uh, but you still got to do them. So have a great weekend. Eat a lot of food. Uh, fill up and don't think about basketball. Hopefully we'll come back in a week and uh, it'll be a little, little better. Uh, so anyways... Peace out. Thanks.